Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today we're sitting down with Denise Lee, founder of Alala, an activewear brand. We talk all about entrepreneurship and the importance of mentorship in your career path. Listen here. Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, I'm super excited because we are sitting down with Denise Lee. She's the founder of Alala, a luxury athleisure brand. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So I always want to know, did you, you know, grow up wanting to be a founder or an entrepreneur? Is this kind of what you saw when you were a child or, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm. That's a great question. And actually, yes, I did always <laughs> want to be an entrepreneur. My parents are both entrepreneurs. Oh, really? And, you know, my dad owned a clothing business, actually a clothing manufacturing business, along with my grandfather. So I feel like making clothing has always been like in our family. Um, and so, you know, he worked his entire career kind of like in this manufacturing space and now, you know, does a lot of like investing in other people's brands and companies and stuff. And mm -hmm. my mom was on the art side and she ended up being like an art dealer, buying and selling art for cool. different people. So I've always had these like great role models, like growing up being entrepreneurs and they definitely from a very young age, like encouraged my brother, my sister and I always to like be entrepreneurial. I don't think they ever forced it on us, but it was like, okay, if you do have an interest in this, like we would support you mm -hmm. um, going in this direction, which, you know, I think definitely led all three of us siblings. All three are entrepreneurs. Yeah, in the different ways. So, what do your siblings do? So my sister um, owned her own chiropractic practice for nice. a long time, and now she does like real estate investing. And my brother um, started a venture fund. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, yeah, in our different ways, Ways we've all like gone into this. I'm sure this. your parents are really proud. <laughs> I think so. I think they're like stressed out too. But um, you know, without I think their support and their encouragement, um, I think it would maybe have taken me longer to kind of take that leap. So can you walk us through like your journey on how you ended up founding your company? Like how what how did your career start? Yeah. So you know, I always loved fashion. I think that was something that was really interesting and a mix of both like my dad's like business background and manufacturing background and my mom's like kind of more art background and fashion was such a nice mix of those two. So I always love fashion. I love retail. Um, and so when I graduated from college, I moved to New York um, and I started working at Armani Exchange mm -hmm. as a marketing assistant. Um, and it was like a really great first job. That's a great first job. It was a tiny team. And so, you know, even me, like 22 year old me, like I would get to sit in in meetings with like the publisher of Vogue and the publishers of GQ. And, you know, it was really like an eye opening experience for me. And I was very grateful for um, all my bosses there, who I actually am still friends with, um, for giving me opportunities to kind of grow in that role. And after a couple of years there, I really wanted to get like a better foundation of like not just marketing, but like all of business, right? Because I did have this idea in my mind that I was like, someday I want to start my own business. I have to know about all these other things. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to NYU to business school for two years. Nice. Um, and at the time, like, this was a while ago, it still wasn't, like, 
trendy or whatever to become an entrepreneur I feel like the yeah. way that it is like now and when, so what year was that that was 2008 to 2010 oh so. yeah so I think it like became trendy like even like 10 years later you know yeah totally <laughs> and like at the time I was at NYU like Rent the Runway had just started mm-hmm. Warby Parker had just started so it was like kind of the- like the first wave of mm-hmm. startups were coming around um but you know all my friends wanted to work at SA Lauder wanted to work at JP Morgan and I feel like these days everybody probably wants to work at a startup um and so after I graduated from business school, I ended up getting an opportunity to work for this very successful retail entrepreneur. His name is Chris Birch. Um, he started Tory Birch with Tory, his nice. ex-wife. Um, they were married at the time they started it. But, you know, he had this wealth of um, building brands background. He had wealth of fashion background, wealth of like investing in consumer brands mm-hmm. background and at the time I worked for him, he was actually like starting to build like multiple brands at the same time, as well as, you know, act like a small family office and invest money into other people's brands. So for me, it was actually a really interesting um, experience to kind of interview and, and get that job just because the job posting that came around, it actually came through NYU. Um, it was like super vague. Yeah. It was like, looking for you know uh an associate was what it was called an associate to do this this and this and i remember i was like oh my god this sounds really interesting and i did some research i was like wow you know like this guy is both an entrepreneur he wants to do fashion he wants these global global brands i was like but all my friends were like, what is this job? They're like, what? why are you doing this? Like, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're going to be like an assistant yeah. and getting people coffee all day long. And I was like, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to do it, you yeah. know? And it was like, I felt like it was just very, um, it was like almost meant to be in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I worked for Chris for three years. During that time, like I was exposed to the investment side, like looking at, um, deal flow coming through all the time, but then also helping him build these brands. So, you know, we would go to China every six weeks to go see factories. Every six weeks? Every six weeks. Oh my God. For a whole year, I went to China every six weeks. It was insane. And he would only let me pack a carry on. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, and and fly economy. So it was a very grueling um, time working for him, but I also learned like so much. And I think if, you know, you're in a position to be in one of those roles where like you're exposed to that, you know, you get to meet, I got to meet so many like entrepreneurs, CEOs, like, you know, celebrities, like everybody wanted to work with Chris or, you know, interact with him in some way. And so you absorb so much in those situations Mm -hmm. um, and in those environments and obviously learning from Chris himself was also like, you know, an experience that is priceless Mm -hmm. at this point. So while I was working for Chris, I was also wanting to do a couple triathlons. Oh my God. For the first time. Yeah. Which I I was like, I got to cross this off my bucket list. While you're flying to China every six weeks. It was crazy. Um, So I was like, I want to cross this off my bucket list. So my friends and I signed up for a triathlon and the training's like pretty intense, especially like for me, I didn't bike a lot and I don't swim. So I'm like, okay, I got to like, get on this and like you know because I love fashion and everything 
I was like, I'm going to go buy some new workout gear to like motivate me to go work out and like want to do all this training. But at the time that was like 2012, um, you know, there wasn't that Not much in the market. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went to Nike and I went to Lulu and I was like, this stuff is fine, but it's like not really my style and not really what I, I get excited about. And so that's when, you know, I started thinking like, oh, maybe there's like a white space in this market for something that's different than like these big brands. Mm-hmm. And that was when like the idea and concept of Alala came around. And I feel like just through all the experiences that I've had before that, like each one kind of gave me like a building block to like, you know, lead me in this direction. And so I think for me, like it was always, you know, ooh, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't have my idea. Right. Right. It's always like, what's my idea? What's my idea? What's my idea? And finally, like, this was the idea. And it wasn't like a huge, like life-changing idea, but it was like recognizing like a need in the space. And obviously, you know, eight years later, like things, 10 years later, things are very, very different mm-hmm. in the space. Um, There's but, you a know, lot of new brands popping up. So in this many space. new brands. Yeah. I'm sure you can relate as well mm-hmm. um, in the jewelry space. And so, you know, but at the time there was so much white space in the yep. market and we launched at the perfect time. And I think, timing is really crucial because mm-hmm. launching an activewear brand today is very different than it was when we launched. Um, and so, you know, we were able to kind of ride that wave and, and it's been eight years on this journey now. Oh my God. That's crazy. So what type, like what type of brand did you set out to create that, you know, you thought was lacking in the market at the time? Yeah. At the time it was really about like, I think that idea of being able to have versatile pieces that you could wear all day. Mm-hmm. And it was also like, because I had spent time in New York, because I love fashion, I wanted something that had more of that like New York City, like downtown style attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like a Nike or whatever, uh, or a Lulu is, is quite basic um, in its form. So that was the idea I had at the time something more fashion forward. So what was the first step you took to start your brand? Yeah, that's such a great question. So I worked on my brand while I was still working for Chris for almost a whole year. Did he help you out? He, he was, he has always been very supportive of me and has been a mentor to me in so many ways, just because we do speak the same language and work in the same industry. And so he has always helped me out, not financially, hasn't invested in the company, but um, just from a support and a mentorship standpoint, like again, priceless and immeasurable, like the things that he's taught me. So, um, I worked on the idea for almost a year while I worked for Chris. Um, and the two things I, I did at first was one, like really do market research into like whether this actually was a good idea and there was space in the market. And that takes a while, just like parse out all that research. Um, And then I started working on finding a name and finding a trademark. So how'd you come up with the name? So the name um, Alala is actually the name of a Greek goddess and it stands for a battle cry. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it really reflected kind of like this idea of like women, like really trying to, you know, at the time, again, like the, I think things are slightly different these days, but at the time it was like, you wanted to, you know, do it all. Right. It was like this idea of like women doing it all. And, And so Alala really reflected, I think like, you know, being that 
warrior spirit or that goddess spirit mm-hmm. in women, um, which is why I love the name so much. Um, yeah. So first the market and then the name. And then I trademarked and f- tried to find URLs for all the names yeah. that I liked, which is a very, it sounds silly, but it's a very important part of this decision. Like you don't want to get stuck on a name and then like not be able to get trademarks in and URLs for it. Yeah, which yeah. is what happened to us. Really? <laughs> well, I started it as a blog and it's like the clear cut. So it's like, there was like a lighting company called the clear cut, you know, mm-hmm. so we had to work backwards. We're still yeah. .co. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the worker hat. <laughs> I know. I feel like I read a stat that was like, any five letter name or URL in any combination someone is taken. owns it and like yeah. I was trying to buy it for so long but I literally think the person's like dead or something because yeah. I've been trying to contact them for years yeah. so whatever I gave up <laughs> we're uh, in the same boat we're alalastyle.com yeah. and we can't get alala.com like somebody has it and won't give it up so well it doesn't really matter doesn't now. matter um so when did you make the like leap to you know do it full time because I know that's scary yeah it's super scary I actually like because I had prepared for it and like kind of had a long runway to prepare for it. Like, um, I did quit my job with Chris before we launched. Mm -hmm. And so there was a year in between where we were like, I hired a designer. That was my other thing that, you know, I did really early on was find a active wear designer to work with me on this, on this brand. And so we worked for a whole year before, so did you the raise like capital before you launched? No. So we are self-funded. Oh, wow. To, to this day. Wow. <laughs> um, which, you know, takes a lot of, I think, discipline. Like unheard of. Yeah. And like we did get some friends and family funding, mm-hmm. mostly family funding. But, you know, we have not raised external capital. And I think there's good and bad to that. Have you guys raised money? Only friends and family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're in a similar situation, but I do feel, you know, at the time it was like Outdoor Voices, Glossier, like all these big brands were raising like tons of money. So I think there was like temptation to go in that direction. And that was definitely the time to do it if you wanted to do it. Um, you know, but I was like, I want to have control and I don't want like people calling me on the phone every day and being like what are you doing? And like, I think you should do this or I think you should do that. And so like, that was more important for me. And so, you know, over the last eight years we've grown, but we've grown at our own pace. And I think that's totally fine. Um, and you know, I think we've just been very diligent also about our cash, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a mindset. I think that if you've raised a lot of money, maybe you don't really have that same mindset. I think like it's a mindset that people are heading in now. Mm-hmm. Like when you launch and even when we did, um, it was no one cared about profitability, profitability. It was like grow, 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 raise as much money as possible. And like the common sense is like, how does that make sense? Yeah, like totally. Where does that end? Like, what is your goal? And I think maybe because you grew up with entrepreneurs as parents and so did I. It's like you understand like, okay, when you have a business, you need to make more than you spend, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very simple it's a concept, concept <laughs> that I feel like sometimes I'd scratch my head too, you know? Because yeah. I was like, wait, how how are these companies keep getting funding, but they don't make any money? Money. <laughs> like, what is the goal for the investor, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then you have such high valuations and then like, when are they going to even like make their money back, you know? Yeah. 
So and I think it's interesting just to look at it from like our industries because we're not tech. No. We're not, you know, we are a product. We're selling a product, which means you have to buy products. Yes. Um, so it's a it's a different kind of equation. And I'm glad you're like agreeing with me because sometimes I'm like, am I crazy? Like, am I the crazy one? No, it's really weird because like I think this is like the common sense path and like when like no one else agrees with you and you're like am I doing the right thing yeah. like but I am totally on the same page like we decided to do that path too because mm-hmm. and I think now like we're seeing a lot of the aftermath of that type of in like money being raised yeah. like mm-hmm. you know for D2C products mm-hmm. and it's not turning out the way that mm-hmm. everyone hoped so yeah. I think with the exits that have happened they're not as big as people have hoped and I think now that people are talking about you know things slowing down a little bit like i i don't think a lot of people might be able to get their next round of funding at a valuation that makes sense it's way better to have a healthy company that grows like at its pace that'll be around yeah for a while yeah (laughs) yeah i think so (laughs) yeah we're in agreement good Hey everyone, Olivia here. Hope you're enjoying our episode. Our clear cut collection features fine jewelry pieces inspired and designed with you in mind. Our collection is ever changing and each piece is handmade and made to order here in New York City. Don't forget to check it out and use the code COZY, C-O-Z-Y for free shipping on any purchase. You went on your own, you launched it. How, how was that? What was that journey like? Yeah. I mean, you know, how long have you had ClearCut? We, I started as a blog in okay. 2016 and okay. then we launched full-time in 2018. Okay. Got it. Um, you know, it's been a journey and I feel like everybody says it's a journey, but it really is. Mm-hmm. I think it's both a business journey and also a personal journey. So, you know, when I started again, like there was so much pressure because like you saw all these other companies like growing so quickly because they had all this money to grow. And, you know, we were kind of growing at our own pace still really quickly just because athleisure was such a big trend. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we were able to ride that wave um, really successfully. But there were a lot of like missteps along the way. You know, I had a great team and honestly, like one of my proudest accomplishments is that like most of my team has been with me for like six or seven years at this point. So, you know, we really built a really strong foundation um, and a really great team. And so, but we were all learning together almost, you Mm -hmm. know, everybody was like around my age and they had experience in their own fields, but like maybe not as a startup, you know, or like, um, as this new brand. And so, um, you know, there have been really high highs and really low lows, I feel like, you know, and one of the things that I really learned through this process was we were always omni-channel. So we did wholesale and, um, e-com always, but we were much more wholesale at first, just because that's where the dollars were coming in. Like, you know, we've worked with everybody from Nordstrom to Bloomingdale's to, you know, Farfetch and like all these people. And so just learning that industry, cause I didn't really have a lot of background in, in that um, was really interesting and very challenging. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think where, you know, sometimes I think for any like entrepreneurs or, you know, fashion, wannabe fashion entrepreneurs out there, 
um, you know, it might be like so tempting to be like, oh my God, like Nordstrom just bought a million, place a million dollar order with me. You know, that's amazing. But like kind of the Did after, the <laughs> yeah, like to have to fulfill that order, like where are you getting the money to make that stuff? Where are you getting the money? You know, you have to learn how to tag everything properly, ship it properly. And then like if Nordstrom gets it and they don't like it, like there's an agreement that they can send it back to you and not pay you. Yeah. So like there's a lot that goes into wholesale that I think you know, gets glamorized, like, oh my God, I just got a million dollar order from this person. And you're like, okay, hold on a second. Yeah, <laughs> like, what does that mean? There's a lot that comes after that too. And so like, those are some of the big lessons I feel like we learned along the way. Um, and now we're more direct to consumer. We're more e-com mm -hmm. um, than we are wholesale, which and I think a is a better mix. And we have a store on Bleecker Street in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, so like what are the worst parts of being an entrepreneur and what are the best parts? Yeah. I think it's so gratifying to see people love your product, right? Especially when I'm sure the same as you, like you put so much time and effort into creating something you really love and you really believe in and you really think your customers are gonna like. So when I see somebody walking down the street wearing a Lala that I don't know, I'm like, that's so cool and so awesome. And I think just being able to always keep your customer like in, in the forefront of everything you do and, you know, getting those emails that are like, I love your brand. Like, I love how it makes me feel. Like, I love how I look in your clothes. Like, that's the most gratifying, the best part of this process. And I think the other great part is being able to nurture these girls on my team, these women on my team. We're all female team right now. Um, and so being able to have them grow and develop with, with the brand is really, really cool. Um, and I think the challenging parts are like kind of how it impacts you personally. And I, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know, I think for me, like being so type A, like the business, every time the business has a, a failure or makes a mistake, you feel like it's like something that, yeah. you know, really personally impacts you. Um, so actually like part of my personal entrepreneur journey really was like getting more into like mindfulness, getting more into kind of my personal development and you know how can i manage all these external pressure and internal pressure because there's so much of it mm -hmm. and how do i kind of you know become a better person because of it and so that's been a that's been a whole another journey on its own like trying to figure out what the best way to to manage all that is and so what are some things that you practice or do that you've seen are helpful yeah so you know it was really interesting in like early 2019. Um, I felt like just so burnt out. Like I was like, oh my God, like the bills are never ending. The problems are never ending. Like everything is just so hard. Um, and I went to a panel, I spoke at a panel and this woman approached me afterwards and she turned out to be like a, a life coach, a spiritual coach or, you know, and I was so funny because I, that was like the moment I needed somebody and then she showed up in my life. So, you know, thank you universe. Um, <laughs> and she really taught me how to kind of, kind of break down all the things that I was feeling, you know, why are you so stressed about this? Let's break it down and let's understand like what's the root cause of things. And so she taught me a lot about meditation and journaling, but also like just 
I think it's like, I've never been to therapy, but I think it must be like therapy that you're digging deeper into like the reasons why you feel the way you feel um, and kind of healing those wounds. And so, you know, for me, it works really well through journaling. I like to write, um, but for other people, it might be meditation or it might be movement or it might be something else. And so, you know, I think no matter whether you're an entrepreneur or not, we're yeah. all on this journey to become like the best versions of ourselves. And so I think some of those tools are really helpful for that. I think it's really important to do that. Yeah, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or not, but especially, you know, if you have a lot, I think like you've, it's such a privilege to do what you really love and like get to pursue it, but you also have so much stress and pressure yeah. because like people rely on you and yeah. you like can't just like throw in the towel and be like, peace out. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm, I give up. Right. So I totally agree with you. I found journaling like really helpful. Mm -hmm. I have, I, a lot of people say meditation is good, but I think I have like ADD. Like I can't yeah. just like sit down and be with myself. Yeah. Um, but that's something I should probably work on. <laughs> <laughs> I think movement is another one that's like really helpful. So mm -hmm. whatever that means for you, like if that's dancing or just taking a walk mm -hmm. or going to a boxing class, like, there is something very like, you know, base about moving, right? Yeah. That's what our ancestors did. And so, you know, I, I've always like read this thing where, you know, like when like a dog gets a shock or an animal gets a shock, they like shake it off. Like they shake, physically mm -hmm. shake because they're actually shaking like that bad feeling off of mm -hmm. them. And so that's kind of what I think about with movement is like you just shake off whatever you're feeling that's like bringing you down. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that <laughs> makes sense. Um, so what like advice would you give to like a young woman who, you know, wants to start her own business, whether it's in fashion or anything else? So much. <laughs> There's so much Key to takeaways. say there. I know. Two things, which I think are on different sides of the spectrum. One is I think it's important to do your research and really have confidence in your idea that it's actually a viable thing to do. Um, just because it, you know, there's so many brands out there and I think it's really easy to buy into like this entrepreneur dream, mm -hmm. right? And you're like, wow, it's so glamorous. It's so this and that. It's not, right, Olivia, I mean, you can agree with me. I'm sure it's not all that. So I think, you know, if you have a really good idea that actually has legs and can become a business, like that's really important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, like it might not ever happen. And right. so that's like the reality I think of like that side of it. But on the other side of it, <laughs> I would also say like, you should trust yourself. Like if you deep down inside, like feel like this is going to work and you really have deep belief in yourself and trust your own intuition and gut, like that's something I found like that I didn't develop till like later in my entrepreneur journey. And at first, you know, I guess it's like, uh, I don't know, like a f flower in the wind or whatever it is, whatever that phrase is like, you know, I would listen to this person and yep. listen to that person, listen to this person. Cause I thought they knew better than I did. Cause they were an expert who had like 20 years of experience and whatever they were telling me about. And I was like, oh, well, this person said I should do this and this, but like, did it feel like that was the right thing to do for me? Like, maybe not, you know, and I should have just listened to myself. Um, so I think that's like, it's a little bit of like, not conflicting advice, but like definitely two very important things that I think I would tell somebody. 
And to build on that, like, although you didn't raise outside money, like, how do you deal with people, like, criticizing, like, when you when you had this idea as you're running your business, like, oh, you're doing this wrong or that wrong, or I think you should be doing this. Like, how do you deal with, like, outside criticism? Or, di- or <laughs> how do you, like, believe in yourself and keep, like, going, you know? Yeah. You know, I think, again, like, it comes down to your own personal, like, strength. Mm-hmm. I feel like. And I think it's it's important to kind of gauge who that person is. You know what I mean? I really like, and I've heard this on, on different podcasts and stuff before, like, don't take advice from someone who hasn't been there, you know, who hasn't done what you're doing, who doesn't have the experience that you've had. And that's why, like, I honestly keep my advice circle very small. Everybody outside of that, like, sure, you could tell me what you want, you know, but am I going to listen to you? Like, no. Mm-hmm. I'll accept it with grace and say thank you. But, like, am I really going to, like you know, think about that too much, like, no. But if somebody that I really trust and admire and I feel like has more knowledge than me in this area, like, I will definitely, like, take their advice into consideration. Um, But again, like, they don't know my business like I know my business. And Mm -hmm. so I do think, you know, at the end of the day, like, developing your own kind of way of thinking and your own philosophy on your business is something that will help you in the future. Um, To shift gears a little bit, we are a jewelry company. So, you know, we love jewelry because, you know, you can have sentimental meaning, pass it down. Do you have any special pieces that, you know, mean something special to you and why? Yeah, I have a little pendant that I wear around my neck. Um, Has the name of my dog on it since I don't have kids. (laughs) What's your dog's name? His name is Rudy. So I have a little like a little engraving that says Rudy on it. Um, I actually need to get one for my other dog, but (laughs) you are playing favorites right now. I know I am. Well, Rudy came first, so he gets the first piece of jewelry, but, um, yeah. So for me, like it definitely is a sentimental thing. Like I'm not somebody who like wears a ton of jewelry, but Mm -hmm. I think the pieces that I do wear every day, like are very meaningful to me. Um, a lot of the things that I wear, like are gifted from my mom as Mm -hmm. well. And so, you know, just thinking about her as I wear the pieces is like really meaningful to me. That's super special. Um, Cool. So tell everyone where we can, you know, follow the Alala journey, shop your pieces, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So you can check out our website at alalastyle.com. The name of the brand is spelled A-L-A-L-A. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Alala. Thanks so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. Yeah, thanks, Olivia. It was so great sitting down and chatting with Denise. I love hearing about her journey and how she followed her dreams. If you guys could start one company, what would it be?